Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, 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 Rebels. Welcome back to the podcast. I am excited about our guest today. Um, This is a friend, a colleague, and uh, the queen of writing resumes. Um, Just absolutely amazing. Today on the podcast, what we're going to talk about is something I think is really important, something that comes up something that keeps people trapped and stuck in their careers in ways they shouldn't be, which is how to really build a resume that combats ageism, right? Particularly if you're a midlife professional or mid-career, a lot of times people don't make the move because they're thinking, ah, ageism, who's going to hire me at that age? And so we're going to talk to the expert on what to do about overcoming that so that you're not held back from that belief or that issue so you can have the career life you want. So today we have Nicolette Barrett, who is a certified and highly sought after resume writer and the founder and CEO of IROC Resumes. She has spent and has utilized her 27 plus years um, in the corporate space in leadership training, advertising and media and marketing and has utilized that to really help her clients be able to build resumes and land the careers of their dreams. So I am so excited to welcome you to the podcast, Nicolette. Well, thank <laughs> you so much, doctor. I am so honored to be here and I love, love, love the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's you so awesome. much. Yes. Listen, I'm honored uh, mm-hmm. that you're here as well. I mean, Nicolette has been like won awards and, you know, has so many certifications. So like, if you want an expert who knows what they're doing when it comes to helping you craft something that makes sure that you hear you're hired, mm-hmm. this is the person to go to. So I'm so happy you're here. So let's just, I, I would love to know how you came from a 27 year career, mm-hmm. you know, and corporate and all of that into mm-hmm. like rocking resumes. Like what was that journey? <laughs> and since we last talked, I, t- I turned 28 years. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. time is going by so fast. Yes. Now, one of the things, uh, doctor, is that I've been doing resumes for years for friends. You know, we always do them for friends and all this kind of stuff. And I've just always been the writing guru. And it wasn't until the corporation I was work- I'm working for had went through a major overhaul and change. And mm-hmm. as a leader in corporate America, you're always responsible for getting your direct reports ready for that next great opportunity. So getting their um, internal resumes done, doing the interview prep, all of those kinds of things to get them ready because that's part of your responsibility to develop them for succession planning. And yeah. it was just not, it was one time when we went through a major change and I, it was it came all at once. So I just decided to post out, you know, the results that I got with my team. I had a team of 11. And then at that one time, there was five, they got promoted at one time. And I said, yeah, this is what happened. I, you know, I rocked out their resume. I did this interview prep. I just kind of talked about it. And then, you know, people start weighing in because I worked with, with the company for so long. Oh yeah, you helped me, you helped me and all this kind of stuff. I said, didn't think of anything about it. Kept working with my team. 
I got another five promoted. And then the only reason the 11th person didn't get promoted is because she said, I'm getting married and I am relocating. So I am going to be quitting. <laughs> so she's going to quit after her <laughs> wedding and which she did. So she mm -hmm. got married and she relocated to another city. So uh, at that time, my department had to give me another team. So I started working with that team. And then it started getting bigger because the people at the company start coming to me more readily because they were ready for all these um, um, opportunities. I'm like, wait a minute, they didn't hire me to do this. I'm doing this my day-to-day -day job and I'm just, you know, working with right. my director. Two of my people came to me and said, Miss Nicolette, you need to go ahead and do this as a business because if I didn't work for you, I would pay for you. I said, well, people get paid for this? <laughs> and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And then it dawned on me because I remember when I relocated to Texas, I did pay someone to do my resume. And it wasn't an actual person. It was a service. I won't name the service, but it was absolutely horrible. And I was mortified. Mm. And at that time, I paid a ton of money. And so I ended up redoing it myself. And then, you know, I didn't have to look for another job. They actually transferred me. And then after that, people start inboxing me on social media asking me, how much do I charge? Now, Dr. Carroll, at that time, I had no idea. I am on, focused on climbing the corporate ladder for this Fortune 39 multi-billion dollar organization. I'm yeah. not thinking about starting no kind of side business or anything. And so I just said, okay. So I gave him a price. Uh, Dr. Carroll, you're going to crack up because I was literally charging enough for my manicure and pedicure. That's all. <laughs> I just wanted my pedicure and manicure covered. And then people start getting these big jobs. I start getting VPs, start sending their people to me when they going through transition and mm -hmm. I was still charging enough and they getting these jobs. I said, well, maybe I can knock out another bill. So I raised my price and I, then I started paying the light bill. Then another thing, <laughs> and then just kind of, and I said, wait a minute, this is something for real. Let me think about this. And that's when I really became serious about it. After about a year or so playing around with the actual, um, you know, just a side thing, just making some extra uh, money just to pay some different things. I said, no, this is a real business. I need to focus on this. And I'm getting people some great jobs. So that's right. a long story, but it's a funny story because it's like I, I'm an accidental entrepreneur using my right. skill set to earn money when I never thought about it because I was so corporate focused. <laughs> yes. But you know, what I love about that is that mm -hmm. you were, you, you were one, and it's very rare mm -hmm. that, um, people find like what they love while they're working, even though it wasn't mm -hmm. like the job per se, but you were doing oh, something yeah. that you love to do anyway, and, mm -hmm. and found that pathway to be able to step into doing it, you know, really for yourself and doing and creating something amazing with it, which I think yes. is aw aw absolutely amazing. <laughs> and in this day and age, I think more people should do that. More people should like really hone in and mine mm -hmm. the things that they're really good at and create a whole, I'm all about multiple streams of income. So yes. I think that is completely powerful. So, so yes. let's, let's get into the resumes. I mean, so clearly mm -hmm. you have a long standing yeah. history of being able to create um, stellar resumes that, that um, are effective and, and bring mm -hmm. success for people. When, when people are, um, worried about changing jobs, particularly at midlife, right? You've been in a company for 20, 30 mm -hmm. years and you're thinking, yeah. A, I have no other skills, but what this company, you know, what I've done here or B, mm -hmm. people are going to, it's going to be clear. They're going to see I'm an older person and they may not want to hire me. Right. So ageism is real. I mean, do, do you yes. still find that an issue in writing resumes that ageism is still like, a yeah. Uh, yeah. Clients that I get most of my clients 
are in the mid area because they're mostly director level, uh, going to VP level, VPs going to executive level. And they do get become worried about that because they're thinking, well, what will somebody hire me? Because I've always wanted to do X, Y, and Z, but just scared to take a leap. So mm -hmm. yes, it is real. It does come and it does act out in corporate America. It's just a fact. They don't want to call it that. And the way that they hide it is through legal. They find a way to lay off not only the older um, generation, but they lay off enough of the younger generation just to make sure they don't look suspicious. And they don't necessarily give them those opportunities because they're thinking about the money that they have to pay their experience. And so right. they'd rather get something someone else in. So what's been happening now, Dr. Carroll, because of everything that's been going on with all of the mass exodus, that's almost out the window. So we're in the sweet spot right now where they are now realizing they need that experience and they need that tenure because you're not only coming in in your role, you're also becoming a, um, a leader and trainer and basically a mentor to some of the younger people that they brought in that don't have all of the um, wisdom skill set. Now, I'm going to say mm. wisdom skill set because wisdom is a skill that you develop over years, right? Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, they don't necessarily know how to navigate. And so, they need that mentoring. And so, therefore, when I presented to my clients in that perspective, I said, well, we have we have to position you to showcase, number one, you have the skill set. And number two, we don't have to tell the whole entire story, just a compelling enough story so that they will draw you in to tell the rest of the story. And so, that's what I see, too. These long, long resumes four or five pages with everything they've ever done in their whole entire career and they're trying to send that out so I'm like no let's tell a story so that they can see beyond that and see your skill set so I do it based on content so you can basically say that I am a marketer of people. I mm -hmm. create content to market you so you can get past that. So if there is a way to do it, um, ageism is real, like you said, but there's a way around that if you really focus on telling your career story. Yeah. And I love that you use the word story because I talk a lot about, you know, narratives and stories and we hear a lot about strategic storytelling and, you know, mm -hmm. really utilizing it as a form to market yourself. So what is, is there a difference between storytelling and writing your resume or is your, should your resume actually be a story? And you know what is so, um, I'm glad you asked that question. And when you think about story, it's not necessarily telling a story to put someone to sleep. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. actually creating a narrative that actually integrates everything that you bring to the table so they can visualize you in the actual role. That's the story that you want to tell. And then with that type of writing, you can utilize that in an actual interview. You can utilize that as your elevator pitch. You can utilize that for for different things because now you also understand what you bring to the table. So it's more of a, we say storytelling because it's catchy, but it's really mm -hmm. telling the narrative of your career and weaving it such that with that opportunity that you're applying for matches it. Because mm -hmm. recruiters are tired of looking through all of these resumes and then they don't necessarily find the actual person because the resume is not speaking to the actual opportunity that they have open. So that's what it is. It's a narrative. Yes. Well, and it mm -hmm. sounds like what you're doing is really marketing yourself. I mean, for any yes. brand mm -hmm. that's out there, they're going to tell yes. you all the highlights and the benefits and, you know, all the 20 million reasons why this is the boot to buy. That's the mm -hmm. handbag to carry, right? That's mm -hmm. the that's the dress that everybody is having, right? That they that you need to have as well. So in a lot of ways, it sounds like you're learning how 
to really fine tune and market yourself at the highest level through yes. through changing the narrative that that really supports um, what it is that you're looking for and what they're looking for um, in terms of who you're working with. So so let me ask you, what are some of the mm-hmm. things that are maybe common things that you see mm-hmm. that people are doing in addition to you mentioned one like four or five page resumes with everything in the mm-hmm. kitchen sink in it but what are yes. some of the other things that you see people doing that would make them fall into that trap where it probably would get flagged you know um you know under that ageism issue oh my gosh i'm glad you asked that question the main thing that i see and i just literally revamped a resume for a pharmaceutical director he put on his uh, resume that he sent to me his objective statement and i'm like okay No, we have not seen that since the 80s. We do not do (laughs) objective statements. And he was cracking up because he said, you know, I hadn't done it. And what I've been doing is just building on that same one since college and just kept adding additional information to it. And I said, while I appreciate the information that you've gathered over the years, it's not really telling your story. It just says you got you did a bunch of stuff. And when Mm. you started off talking about that, your objective is to get a job. That is an assumed, you don't have to state the obvious. And so therefore (laughs) I had to get that. I'm like, no, we are not objecting anything. We we're going to tell your story. And then he said, I wish I would not have waited this long, so long to get this done. But he said, the investment is so worth it. He said, I've already told three people, my children, when they graduate, they coming to you. And I said, okay, because it's a, he said, it's a different way of thinking about a resume. And I said, that's what I want you to do. Because when you walk into those interviews for that potential high level opportunity, you need to present yourself as number one, as an adult, not the college resume that you're still working on. Right. And also to showcase your skill set. So that is the main thing I see. The objective statement. And as I already mentioned, too many pages. And then a third thing that I see a lot of times is people um, people take their job description and they plot it into an actual format of an actual resume. Mm, talk more about that. Oh my goodness. Uh, because they, they think whatever the HR um, person hired them with, or actually the company hired them, the actual job description. Now we all know doctor that when you get into that role, you don't necessarily do all the things that they have in that. Your role no. evolves over time and people right. don't remember that. They just think this is a title and this is what they hired me to do. So I'm going to take that information. I'm going to put it in the format of a resume mm. and say, that's the resume, but that's, not the job of a resume. A resume's job is to land an interview. So therefore they need to know not your task and duties and responsibilities, because I see that a lot, but Mm -hmm. they need to see what is the results from your labor. Don't just show me that you're a laborer or Mm -hmm. worker bee, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what those things showcase. It's just that these are your responsibilities, your tasks and stuff like that. But what are your results? And any career professional will always think of themselves as a um, results-driven person. What results do I get from my labor? Mm -hmm. And so if you're thinking about that and not just using it as a buzzword, it's true. You have to show that you're getting results. So that's what I see a lot. Just taking the job description that they got hired years ago 
and plopping it into the word format of a resume and say, here you go. And the last thing, the grammatically, they still use the present tense. So I'm like, okay, are you still working mm -hmm. as that entry level person? But you're telling me that you're this level now. Why mm. is it still in present tense? And so they're not thinking about that. They're they're thinking of the document as the outline. Yes, you have your name, your, your address and all that kind of stuff. And you don't really even want to put your address on there. But all these different things that they assume is the resume and it's not the resume. Right. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So too many pages, having objective statements, trying to plop your old job description into your resume. And I love that you talked about with there, like, because your job does evolve. And yes. honestly, most people create resume um, job descriptions that mm -hmm. aren't even real anyway. They're a guess of what they think the person should be doing and really yes. in the roles when people figure that out. But mm -hmm. I love that using present tense and no addresses right? No, yeah. anymore, right? No, especially for safety reasons, because um, you don't want someone showing up at your home. We've had situations where, you know, women have had people show up at their homes because they have their full address on there. It's just a safety measure. And then it can also weed people out discriminatorily based on your zip code. If you're saying where, where you live, your address, mm. where you live within, within that zip code, not just a zip code itself, but you can be weeded out just because where you live. So you want to try to get those identifying factors out of there so it actually leaves the content as much as possible but yeah you you just don't want to have all those additional things because when you're evolving with the organization your job evolves you want to make sure that you show your evolution because that's also a skill how adaptable and flexible are you to changing and changing environment Mm, that is mm -hmm. so fabulous. I love that. I mean, this is some gold here. So what about, are there words that people shouldn't use, right? Because I know as us older people, we have a vernacular that's not maybe current right? <laughs> with the times, how we describe things or talk about things or reflect things that may also be a red flag, I think. Are there any kind of thing like words or phrases that you always recommend do not use? You know, I would say this in general for everyone. When I see a resume built with fluffy words, very, very, very good, successfully done this, and all of these L-Y words that really don't mean anything. I'm like, why you got to say successfully done this? Just say you did and tell me the end result. I mean, yes. just taken out and also writing too much. And that makes those sentences so long and so bulky that they run out of room. That's why it goes to the third and fourth page. And it's not, it, it's just not articulating or conveying what you're actually presenting. So those fluff words for anyone, those are the words that I eliminate off the bat. You will rarely see it. Any resume that I write that has anything with an L-Y at the end of it, rarely. Greatly yeah. this, and appreciate it, this. Uh, I'm like, what? No, we don't use that language. We need almost telegraphic language. And that's mm -hmm. what I use. Telegraphic, get to the point and eliminate all of the flow words and in between words and thinking about how can I say it in less words so it's concise and to the point. Because well, we're your, talkers, we want to talk everything out. And with our uh, younger crew, they know how to text and make it concise. But we want to see everything. 
No. Right, right. Well, and and if you're putting that you were successfully great at doing something, you're not doing what you suggested before, which is being results oriented. Yeah. Right. Of just really mm-hmm. stating what you brought to the table and the contributions that you made to your last um empl- places of employment, right? Right. Because a resume should not be philosophical. I need to understand what are you doing? And I even coach my employee, not my employees, my clients to the interview prep. When they answer my little interview questions, I give them, they sit in the back and they're telling me philosophically. I said, I don't want to hear your philosophy. I want to know what you did. What did you do to affect this result? So that's how sometimes we say, well, philosophically, or we're saying stuff and it's like, okay, but you had to get some type of result from your labor. So Mm. think about what have you done and what, how can you make that so that they see that you can do it again? That's mm-hmm. the whole point of it. And then make it a concise enough where they see, okay, what's the creme de la creme of everything? Because what I do is write master resumes where they choose and they have so much, so much great stuff. I'm like, I make sure you have enough bullets that you can pick and choose, but do not send this resume with all these bullets. Pick the best of the best. And I'm always listing the creme de la creme at, t- at top and any kind of weaker stuff that doesn't really matter. I eliminate it. It doesn't matter. So I don't need the minuscule things to what you do. I need to know how you are moving the needle in your role, in your job duties to earn the company, the money, the reputation, the revenue, the savings, whatever it is in your role, because they're paying you for a job to get done, not just to fill a spot. What are you doing? Yeah. And so she, as you speak about that, I wonder like when you have, cause I'm sure you get probably pushback on this, right? You have all of these years of experience and people probably get really antsy about you cutting out pages two through eight on their resumes. So how, how can they express a 30 year career in a way that's concise and to the point that sharing results that doesn't trigger or flag the fact that this is an older applicant? And what I do, I sneak, I I am very good with that cover letter. (laughs) I always (laughs) tell people, and there's a fight in the industry. Do you use a cover letter? Do you not use a cover letter? I love the cover letters. Now, something that they did 30 years ago that aligns with the role and what they're trying to do, I can use a cover letter because there's no dates, right? However, I'm not going to put that date in there, all that kind of stuff on the actual resume. And I may strategically put in other experience, but I'm not going to build that out because sometimes that other experience could be dated. People don't do data entry anymore. Come on now. You can now Mm -hmm. just use your phone to record something that types it out for you. So it depends on what is the role. And if the role is obsolete, we don't even, I don't even use it. Now, there is a lot out there. What is it 10 years? Is it 15 years? I always look at what is the end goal that you need so you feel this whole process I'm taking you through is a win. So I'm never going to say 10 years, 15 years and all this kind of stuff because if people go out there and they watch all that stuff on YouTube and just go by that, that is not effective because every individual person needs a strategy. So I'm always looking, okay, so what is the end goal? What do you want to do? So it's my job to look at all the information you've given me i.e. a a client gave me 60 pages of documents to weed through. (laughs) 
<laughs> and wow. I was able to pull out the best of the best and get it to a two-page resume because I don't need all of that. I'm glad you kept all of that and maybe you can use some of that for your interview. But right now, we just want to showcase what can you bring to the table for this role? So it's about the strategy. And that's mm -hmm. what people don't understand that there's a strategy to resume writing that writes the story strategically so that they can get that interview. Because if your resume is not landing interviews, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the resume. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. So, so phrases like data entry or mm -hmm. Microsoft office suite, like, are there other things that are like telltale signs that you're dated? Yeah. Right? Word, word. Perfect. I word saw that on perfect. the resume. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. Do you remember that? I do remember. I'm word like, perfect. oh my gosh. When I saw that on that, I'm like, no, no, we don't do word perfect anymore. So that those was kinds of early things. 80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you are actually in a higher level role, I don't want to talk about the fact that you know how to do Microsoft Office Suite because guess what? You should have people doing that for you. And Good I love it. One of my clients, she was a director. She said, well, I, I need to go learn how to do PowerPoint. I said, no, you don't. I said, you've got people working for you to do PowerPoint. Why? She said, Nicolette, I never thought about that. I'm thinking I have to go learn PowerPoint because she was an older employee thinking that mm -hmm. she had to go learn this in order to be marketable. I said, no, honey, they will hire. When you get hired, they will have people who work for you to do <laughs> that. You don't need yeah. no, no PowerPoint. Right. So it's about that thought process on what skills do they need and what are they trying to do? So yeah. stop thinking from college graduate or entry level and now think in advance. What mm -hmm. can I bring to the table to continue? Continue my career and also help this organization I'm seeking out for an opportunity or even a promotion within the organization to showcase that I can do that job at the next level. That's what you want to do. So that's all about strategy. That's why you don't need three, four, five pages. Right. So how, what about the look of the resume? Is there anything that too also could be a telltale sign that this is maybe somebody who's outdated in terms yeah. of the look of the resume as well? Just a basic black and white resume. Again, mm -hmm. have their full name at the top, their full address, and they got their phone number, their cell phone number. They got all these different phone numbers. I'm like, okay, we, we don't care. Just give us the one that's the most important, which is mostly the cell phone number. You just have too many different things on there. And, oh gosh, the email. If you got AOL, then maybe not. <laughs> hotmail maybe not i have had some of my clients to change over to gmail yahoo is still pretty much okay but i really i want people to do gmail because or google because that can be your your email that you use only for your job search even if you still want to use your hotmail and you get mm. all your coupons and all that kind of good stuff there and your aol that's fine but when you're doing a job search you want to have gmail that's just it so yeah, mm. I've seen hot mails. I've seen um, um, AOLs. I'm like, no. And then they, yeah. they want to use their play name. We're not using play names. I need you to give me a, <laughs> a more professional name. And like my other client that gave me the 60 documents, he had all this dot 
um, ATNT.net. No, 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 mm-hmm. we don't want that. I need you yeah. to give me a Gmail because I don't know who this email is. Make it simple. Use your first name and your last name, and that's it. And if you have a common name, there's also a strategy to um, make sure that it's not the same that everybody else has. And oh my gosh, now we're speaking of um, emails. Do not put your year, your year of that you were born in your oh, email address. Right. I have seen that and I know exactly what year. And I even tell my younger clients this, do not put your birth year at the end because that will bite you in about 20 years. Mm -hmm. So no, do not do that. People do that all the time. Do not put your birth year or anything like that. No. Okay. That's a really, really good tip. So let me ask you the relationship between resume and LinkedIn, right? Because, you know, some people... You know, I, I see now on resumes, people add their LinkedIn address and it's often mm-hmm. encouraged to have your LinkedIn address. So if you're going to lead people there and then they go to LinkedIn and it's a regurgitation of the resume, like how do the two work together? Like what's your philosophy and thoughts and how do you work with your clients around that? Oh, and that is all strategy as well. I'm yeah. not going to put everything. And particularly in- not to, to, not to flag ageism, particularly on the <laughs> LinkedIn as well. Exactly. Yeah. Because you don't have to put every single job that you've ever done. And for some reason, we in our generation think that if we show any kind of gap, there's something wrong or any kind Mm. of we got to show that the job that we've had way back when I always use the example. I am so proud, Dr. Carol, that I won the best cashier of the year with a trophy at McDonald's. Because I was the fastest drive-through girl ever. And I am so proud of that still to this day. But I am not going to show that I started working at age 16. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, that's irrelevant, right? Yeah. So, but some people say, I gotta, I but I, I don't want them to think that I didn't have a job. I said, I'm pretty sure they know you've had a job, but who cares about stuff that happened back then? So right. and I used to also sell yellow pages. Why would yellow page ads? Now, why would I put that on my resume today? Nobody, right. People don't do that. So it's about what is the strategy. So even on LinkedIn, you're not going to do that. And then LinkedIn is not the same as a um, resume because a resume is the implied I, me, or my. Your LinkedIn is social media and you can't say I, me, or my. And that's mm-hmm. what I see people that's different on their LinkedIn. When I see it, uh, they took their resume and they put it in there. And it's very so professional. I mean, everything is just so like they got everything buttoned up to the neck. Therefore, thou art thou this. And I'm like, what? what? Let's talk real language, people. They want to know you as a person and it's okay. But they come with their suits in the LinkedIn profile. Because remember, we sat there at Pantyhose. Pantyhose and suits in the office. Right. They do that same mentality with their documents because they're still thinking so buttoned up. And it's not that serious when it comes down to LinkedIn. You can still convey your value and show you have a personality. And it's even better that you do it that way because then they get to know you a little bit better and they're going to search that before they even ask for your resume anyway. So there's a, it's a, it goes hand in hand. And what the LinkedIn does is really powers up your resume and it actually can work for you while you sleep. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I love LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn guru. I love my, write my resumes, but boy, that LinkedIn is my jam. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And so you would say guard against writing things like 27 years of experience doing this or including the years that you graduated and other things like that, that would really trigger 
um, someone counting on their fingers how old they think you are that may inhibit your ability to be considered for an interview. Yeah. And and also it depends on the strategy too, because if they're looking for someone with a lot of IT experience, you may want to play on that. So some mm. um sometimes they're looking for a high level IT thing and they're saying, well, we're looking for somebody with 10 plus years experience. That's a strategy that I am going to incorporate because that's what they're looking for. But if you're just looking for an opportunity and you're like, you know what, I don't want to put all that in there. No, you don't. You put, eliminate it. Always think about what is your end goal? What are you trying to do? Ageism is still there. You have to weigh that. But what are you trying to do? Do they need mm -hmm. your maturity and your skill set and want you that many years in the industry or not? So what purpose is it for you to say that in your documents, also your cover letter, also your um, LinkedIn? So it's very strategic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, moving into you know, a little bit of the interview phase. I mean, and I'm going too deep into it, but what came to mind is that, okay, you do this stellar resume. You took the 60 pages, you got it down to two. It's highlighting their best features. It's making them look incredibly amazing. But then they go into the interview because maybe they don't believe all the beautiful things that you put on that resume. So, so how do you help them show up in the interview in a way that matches the brilliance that you did in the resume, because I think sometimes there may be a little mindset issue of you, they get the resume back from you and they're looking at it like, is that me? That's and exactly so, what happens. Mm -hmm. And they show up in the interview, not quite, there's a disconnect in the mind of the interviewer because they see this great resume, but then the person showing up doesn't seem like the same person. So mm -hmm. how do you help them to like get their mindset and to translate what brilliance you put on the paper into real life. And it, my whole process involves all levels of coaching because when I'm talking to them about their resume at the end and I'm telling them how to utilize that, how to show up and everything, I'm building their confidence along the way. And then if they say, okay, I want to go to the next step and be able to articulate this resume, doing the actual interview prep, I talk to them about how their skill set will translate and actually coach them on how to own it. Because sometimes it is a bit, bit of, I call it the triple C. It's not only just the um, career coaching, it's the counseling because it is a mind block because they're like, well, all of this is great, but I, I'm just so scared to get in there and say it. I'm like, why not? It's you. Did you tell me not the truth? Because I'm just articulating what you've given me. Just own it. And I, I hate to say this, but Dr. Carol, I find it most mostly with women, because what happens is that we get, we uh, always think we just do. And so we mm -hmm. use the word just, I'm like, no, you've earned the right to say that you have made these in this impact in this organization. And here is why. So just kind of giving them the way to say it and own it and changing mm -hmm. their mindset to actually own the information that they gave me. I said, you right. gave me this. I didn't yeah. make this stuff up. So this is you because when they do get get the information, get the resume, the career documents back, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is me. And it's like, oh my. I said, yeah, this is everything you told me. I just, I'm yeah. the worst myth. And I just make it such that the recruiter will see that as well or the hiring manager. But you right. can say it too. So it's about coaching them on how to say it. And I have a method called the R-Star method. And it's the R-Rockstar method. And I teach them the method on how to be able to say the information effectively to so that they feel confident 
and then the um, interviewer or the higher manager can see that, yes, they really got the skill set. So I take yeah. it to that next level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What tips can you give to our listeners today that maybe a strategy or a tool that they could hold on to that would help them really lean into understanding how to see the value in, in themselves to present that in the interview? When they, if they can look at their um, summary, professional summary of their resume, that really is the ellipse, the, the whole thing of what they're presenting. And think of how can I say this as an opening statement in an interview so that they can see me in this role. That's what they can do. Understand it, being able to showcase examples from that, which is already articulated in a resume, and then be able to present that, that's what they can lead with. That some professional summary is basically their opening statement, even in an actual interview. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Such mm -hmm. great tips. Such great tips. So let me ask you, um, and it's something I ask everybody, what does it mean to be a career rebel to you? Particularly, you know, if you're midlife and you're dealing with ageism and you're trying to step into that other gener that that next level or higher level or something completely different in your career, what does it mean to you to be a career rebel? Okay, so the word rebel means to take up arms and to, you know, basically push back, right? Rise up. So I want you to rise up, take up arms. And when I say take up arms, get all the professional help that you need so you can develop that courage, that confidence and everything. And also the, uh, what I call the tactical piece of it, the actual documents to support what you bring to the table. So that's what a career, the one who's not afraid to invest in themselves to get themselves to the next level and help them build the confidence that they need. I love that. That's such <laughs> a great idea definition. I appreciate it. Listen, yes. Nicolette, thank you so much for being here and sharing so much wisdom that I'm sure the listeners can take away with and, and just change the game in terms of how they even think about what's possible for them in their mm -hmm. career at midlife. So thank you so much. And thank you so much, Dr. Carol, for having me. It's been my pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, Rebels. Another episode of the Midlife Career Rebels sharing some really great tips and strategies on how to change and advance your career in midlife, even if you think you're too old or your resume may be called out. You have some great information and tools to do that. Um, I'm going to put information about how to contact Nicolette in the show notes so that if you want to get that stellar resume and get support in the process to really step into that next generation and get a next iteration of your career and really prepare yourself um, to really own the brilliance that you bring to the table, I highly recommend that you reach out. So we'll have all of her contact information information in the show notes for you. And if you're wondering what's next for you, if you're on the, the path to maybe doing a career change, but right now you don't have the clarity about what you want to do next, I invite you to sign up for a free 30 minute consultation with me. And let's have a conversation about where you are and how to bridge the gap to, to get to where it is that you want to go. In the interim, please have an amazingly rebellious week and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. 
If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.